Recording. Well, it started with a little kiss. It grew into a case of chap lips. But the soul never went away. It just burned and burned each day. You got Terry's disease. Terry's disease. That's a, that's a song about STDs. You're welcome. <laughs> Terry's what? It's your dad's. Disease. Terry's disease. Oh, Terry's disease. Yes. I thought it was Terry's tezies. I was like, what's a, no. what's a, what's a tezies? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Guys. Welcome, everybody, on iTunes and Podbean and Google Podcasts. Welcome to the show. Anywhere else you listen to. Logan and Josh and a crippled moron that they let on the show. <laughs> That's that's me. <laughs> that is me. Actually, I don't like the word crippled. I should say that. I don't like that word. It sounds it sounds mean and harsh, doesn't it? Is this is this nineteen? I don't know, dude. Stop putting numbers on it. I can't tell. Okay. It's, I don't even know what day it is. We're there. We're good. Okay, hold on, hold on. Are we are we are we live? Are we live? Not are we live? Ah oh, man, Josh, tell me about your day. Did you do any cool things? I just had to go film in thirty nine degree weather. Ooh, actually, let's save that for when we're live on Facebook so we can use your, your skateboarding for class Three, for us. Three, two, one, boom! We are live on oh, Facebook. Oh, my God, dude. He's so loud. I'm turn him down a little bit. It's just so much, dude. Like, everybody, everybody knows that you always have to have the most attention, Rye. We know who you are. Okay. Look at me. Look at me. My name's Rye. Look at me. My name's Rye. I'm live on Facebook. We're live on the Book of Faces. <laughs> so, everybody that's tuning in, hopefully there's more than six or seven of you. Last week, we had a pretty huge week with uh, James on the show, which was pretty cool. This week, we have Eric Yost on the show. But before we get to that, I want to highlight something that happened earlier today for, uh, with my buddy Rye here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, you're not privy oh, to this. Oh, you're such a dirtbag. So, what? Josh, what? Josh no, I, 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 if I, could, I wish I could Let's mute go. you. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's so, go. Come so earlier, to, shut your face, dude. God, you're annoying. Let's go. So, earlier today. Stop talking over me, but let's go. Earlier today. Let's go. I'm not doing it. I'm just, I'll tell you what. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> what, what Logan is alluding to, did he really leave? Oh, I think he left. Logan is gone. Uh, so what Logan is alluding to, um, today was the first time I went deer hunting and I got one. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Oh, that's cool. Uh, not as cool as you think. <laughs> Why not? Because it wasn't the biggest. Like everybody like talks about like, oh, you want to get this 10 point buck and blah, blah, blah. So in North Carolina, you get, I think, what, six to eight tags? I got to look at my thing. Um, and I've gone twice now to my good buddy Dennis's place to go out and hunt. And <clears throat> you, went today, to Dennis, you went to Dennis to get some Venice? Yeah, Dennis to get some venison, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so we uh, went out there and I mean, I was there for like, I don't know, two hours or so waiting like sun's coming up it's beautiful it's peaceful it's very tranquil like it's very relaxing 
and I'm like, you know what? If I don't get anything, I don't even care. And I watched probably five deer just like walk by and they're all, in my opinion, tiny. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to, nah, not these. And in the back of my head, I heard my buddy Dennis saying like, Hey, I got to leave at seven 30. And also if it's your first deer, just shoot whatever moves, just get you some meat, feed your family. I'm like, all right, cool. So I think it was like, 645 I see this little tiny deer kind of walk around a little bit and boom dropped him like on the spot pulled the trigger deer fell and Bob's your uncle we got a cooler sitting behind me full of meat what'd you shoot it with uh my AR-15 so everybody that says you can't hunt deer with a 5.56 you can hunt deer with a 5.56 where'd you hit him at I so the the round went in right behind the shoulder and it blew it like curved, took out both lungs and the heart, and then blew out the other shoulder. Like the other shoulder was donezo. Like no, you didn't get no meat out of that thing. Oh shit! Was it a five five six or two two three? Five five six. Oh shit! That's yeah, cool. man. So um, was it a was, ten or a thirty round mag? Thirty round, but I only needed one. All right. Well, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know. I'm texting him. He's big mad. What's he mad about? <laughs> so if you guys are listening to this on iTunes, Logan got big mad because I kept talking over him and he's trying to put us on the spot by exiting the conversation. But all good. Oh, his exact um how long have we been let's see, we've been on here for yeah, we we're over three minutes. He said F the F off. So. Well, that's cool. Looks like it's me and you, buddy. Yeah, man. Let's do it. <laughs> so tonight, if Logan wants to keep uh, putting us through the ringer, that's cool. But this is kind of what we're all about. Um, we have a special guest tonight, Eric Yost, a.k.a. Biggin, um, the owner operator of Customs by Biggin. So. Here he comes, uh, right about meow. Coming in here, one, two, three. Let's see if he gets in here. So I met Eric at Streetcar Takeover 2018 in person. And I, I, we've been friends on Facebook before that, uh, simply through just, you know, the race car world is, is, is ex very expansive. Like, I, I don't know, I'm, if you guys are like me, I have a ton of friends on my Facebook page that I've never really like met face to face, but I'm like, Oh, you're into cars. I'm into cars. Let's do the damn thing. So Eric Yost though has been, uh, he's a, he's a drag week competitor, standing mile competitor. Like the dude's accolades are ridiculous with what the accomplishments that he's done. Um, I don't know, Eric, can you hear me? Yes, I sure can. Uh, I can't see your camera. Yeah. Let me let me try again. Hold on. <laughs> All right. While you're trying to figure that out, uh, so he's got, dude. I I can't even tell you how much stuff this guy's done. And so he's been on um, what is it? Horsepower Wars, the ten thousand dollars shootout. If you've seen that from Power Out or Media, 
They won the first season. If you're familiar with the little Fox body Mustang known as Beer Money, this is the mastermind behind it. The second time they went out there with uh, the Moonshine Missile, which is a, it's not even, I don't think it's a Fairmont, but uh, hang on, here he comes. Let's see if he gets this thing figured out. So he's really good with cars, but apparently he's not very good with technology. <laughs> what was he running in the in the standing mile? Uh, so he can tell you that because he has ran a third gen F body called the Dirty Bird, and also he I, he's got a '68 Camaro. So we can talk more about that too. Oh, that's cool as soon as he comes in here. So Eric Yost is, 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 he also worked for a very extensive period of time in NASCAR. Um, but let's rewind to 2018. When I met Eric Yost, streetcar takeover, Charlotte. Uh, I go out to make a test hit on my car. There he is. Can you hear us, Eric? Can you hear me? Yes. Ah, oh, there he is. Hey, I was just, we we're just talking about like the first time that you and I like actually met face to face. So we've been friends on Facebook before this streetcar takeover 2018 in Charlotte. <laughs> I go out, I make a test hit and I just knock the tires off the thing. It's my first time running radials. Um, my first time running with a turbo 400. I'm lost in the sauce and uh, I come back around. I'm in the street racer category running in the same category that Eric is with his Camaro, which if you've never seen, what year is a Camaro? 68? 68, yep. Yep, 68 Camaro. It's got the beautiful wrap on it. looks all rusty, patinaed. Um, and so we're going, like, we're literally in the same category. And he and I are chatting back and forth. And I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. The car about shook my teeth out. So I lowered the launch RPM, dropped the tire pressure down. And Eric comes up to me and goes, yeah, you're – completely backwards on all of that do this this and this <laughs> and i'm like all right yes obi-wan i will listen to you so up the tire pressure up the launch rpm go out there and make a hit and i get my ass handed to me by a fox body mustang on 17 inch wheels like pony wheels and i'm i'm just like that's it like i i didn't I'm not even, I don't know why I'm even here. Well, come to find out that person ran like an 860 something to my 871. So because of this man that you're seeing right here, if you're watching this live on Facebook, Eric Yost, AKA Biggin, um, I fully credit you with my first eight second pass, which was like a milestone for me to achieve for so damn long. So uh, I know I've, I've said it to you personally, thank you, but I want to say it to everybody publicly, again, thank you, Eric Yost, a.k.a. Biggin, on the Clapped Out Podcast. Welcome, sir. Thank you. Thank God to be here. So, what we talked about <laughs> before is I feel like, so like, let, let's give a brief background or like a brief catch up on like your background in motorsports. Because I'm sure you've been in it and you can eat, sleep, and breathe in it since, you know, you can, as long as you can remember. But let's start at the age of 18, 19 years old. Eric, how did you get to where you are right now? 
Um, well, I mean, for, uh, you know, the love of cars started out at a young age for, for me and my brother. And, um, you know, dad bought us my Camaro, my 68 Camaro when I was 11 years old. And, you know, we, we didn't know any better. We just started tearing it apart, you know, uh, doing this and that. And we wanted, uh, you know, wanted to learn how to work on cars. So, um, it needed four pans. Uh, the, the roof was so rotted, you could fit your fist through the vinyl top had rust holes in it. So all we had was a stick welder. So we proceeded to cut the, the floor pans out with a stick welder at age 13. So, you know, we just turned it all the way up and basically used it as, you know, an art gouger and, and cut the floor pans out. Um, then we bought a, a, you know, a MIG welder and we welded them back in. And um, dad had a buddy that was in NASCAR help, you know, hang the quarter pounds on. So, you know, we stepped it and, you know, used Clecos and this and that. And, you know, that really intrigued me as like, oh, you know, this is what I want to get into. So long story short, I drove my car to high school um, two weeks before I graduated. So I worked at a body shop during, in high school. Uh, so it was a candy apple red, black striped, beautiful paint job. Uh, 283 uh, Muncie, Rock Crusher, four speed, mini tub, four nine inch. Um, so then we got, I got married in it. Then we got to a 406 Jericho, four speed, and, you know, on and on and on. Uh, but right out of high school, I worked, uh, was working at a body shop and then was working at a very high-end um, uh, hot rod shop, uh, Waddy Speed and Fabrication, built some really, really nice uh, SEMA, uh, you know, the SEMA builds, you know, the, the top sevens and eights and, you know, went to a bunch of that stuff and then uh, basically went right into NASCAR. Uh, so we worked at Sapco Racing um, about 98 and went right into doing the pit crew, you know, right, right as I, you know, right, right as we got into fabricating, he's like, oh, you want to go on the road and do a pit crew? Sure. Okay. So, um, started doing heavy fab. So we're doing, doing all the welding, uh, pre-body. So all the chassis building. And, uh, that was the Starley Marlin, the Robbie Gordon, uh, Joe Nemechek, uh, Blaze Alexander, Dave Steele, Wally Dallenbach. All those guys at Sapco. I was there for about five years. Uh, then I went to Downhart Incorporated, DEI, uh, Michael Waltrip, Downhart Jr. Um, and then went from there, by, about five years there, and then went to uh, Michael Waltrip Racing. Was there for about five years. So when, when you were started in the NASCAR industry, were you just like a jack of all trades or did you have a specific – job like i'm a i'm a, like now it's that the the sheet metal guy is a kind of a lost art because everything is composite right um, exactly what was your specific job when you were there so when when i started we we would buy the chassis uh which would be uh um you know all your cage all your floor pans uh a chassis uh for ten thousand dollars you know you basically bought a laughlin or hopkins chassis then we would pre-body it so pre-body would set the motor in do the motor mounts transmission mount cut the shifter hole do your crush panel tabs do all the tabs and everything for the pre-body so mount the pedals mount the seat fuel cell you know, do all the welding on the chassis um, and then it would go to the body hanger body hanger would body hang it then it would go to um, finish fab and they would make all the crush panels then it would go to paint and body, then come back and get all the crush panels, windows, stuff put back in. So we were the first stage of the chassis 
uh, and then it, it evolved into building our own chassis. So back then, you know, just say, um, you know, in 2000, we were buying a chassis for $10,000. When I got out of it at Waltrip, the front spring bucket that was just say a left front or right front spring bucket, it had the upper control arm mount built in with slugs, had the, the pocket with the jack screw, came in, had integrated the motor mount for the uh, motor plate, and all the way down, it was a hunk of 4130 chrome molly. It took 40 hours to machine it, and it cost $10,000. Jesus. So we, got, we went from a whole tap to 10000 to one corner of a, of a car, $10,000. So it, it's, that's the way it evolved, and I think that's the, the downfall of it, because everything now is composite bodies and carbon fiber this and that, and you're taking all the – uh, you know, ingenuity out of it. You can't, you know, bend the rules or anything. And it's just, it's sickening really because it was fun back then. Yeah. You know, we so could try like, something. And, you look at it like, I mean, I'm not, and I'm pretty sure I speak for most people that follow Claps Out. Like, I'm not a huge NASCAR fan at all, but I appreciate the ingenuity in any form of racing whatsoever. So, like, hearing that is, it's a little disheartening to know that that's the way it is. Like everything in NASCAR now is just cookie cutter, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. Like from, from here on out. Is that kind of what like led you away from it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it got to the point where, you know, I was making up control arm and, you know, it didn't fit quite right. Well, it'd take me five minutes to make it fit. But no, I had to call the engineer down. He come to look at it. Oh, I got to redesign this, redraw it. And it's got to go all, you know, back three steps to, to do something that would take five minutes to fix, you know, and, and, you know, the engineers would come in and they would, um, you know, oh, we need to try this, this, and this. And uh, we tried that 10 years ago and it didn't work. So they justify the job and, you know, try this, this, and this, and it doesn't work again. So, yeah. you know, it just, it, it really was, uh, it was, you know, NASCAR was no better on, you know, putting fines out and this and that. And, you know, if you did anything, least a little bit in the gray area, they would fine you $50,000 or whatever it might be. And, um, you know, it just got to, to the point where it was in the entertainment business and not uh, racing. That's, that's actually, that's the best way I've heard to put it. Like this is the entertainment business and not racing. And I feel like it's bit them in the ass at this point. Yep. It always does though. When yeah. corporate, big corporations and stuff, they like, they always <clears throat> step in and mess with it. Yeah. It always like when when you start talking about like racing and money and people try to like control budgets and stuff like that. That's that's I I, I get the idea behind like controlling the budget, not just NASCAR but drag racing in general. Like you talk about X two seventy five that class. Like hey, we're gonna run on a two seventy five radial. This is going to be the cap. If a two seventy five tire, this is is this is your limitation. And now you see where we're at. We're running threes on a two seventy five in the eighth mile, which is ridiculous. Back up like eight years ago, was that even like a thought or a possibility in somebody's mind? So, um, when what is the most? This is what I want to get into like the dirty stuff. Like, what's the most, and not just NASCAR limited because you're a person who's raced in all facets of racing. You've done standing mile, half mile, uh, you know, drag racing, eighth mile, NASCAR. I feel like your your resume speaks for itself like you've seen it all um and you've seen all the rule bending possible 
but let's go back in the NASCAR, and I want to talk about like the Skunk Works kind of stuff. This is like the Smoky Unit kind of. You know, we've all heard the the stories. If you guys haven't, I I, I love hearing about cheating and racing. I don't I I don't know why, but it's just very intriguing to me. And I think everybody reads the rule book. If you're going to go class racing of any sort, regardless of what drag race. I'm only here because I think Eric Yost is super dope. And I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry, Rye. My fault, dude. Were you talking? My yeah. I, ah! Sorry. Let's blow everybody. Oh, this is for what I did earlier. Eric, I think I don't know. I haven't really listened much because every time Ry talks, people tend to tune out. So I'm very sorry that it took me so long to come back in here. But I have one thing I want to talk about. It has nothing to do with cars. It has nothing to do with racing <laughs> at all. Uh, who'd you vote for? I'm kidding. That's not what I wanted to ask. Ry's face was so good, though. That was really fun for me. But I want to talk about the house that you built because you posted pictures of it. And shut up, Ry. It's my time. And the house you built now. Is- now, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. You gonna do it again? You make me nope. hang up again? Nope. You make me hang up again. I'll hang up again. I swear I want, to God, I'll you, hang up. No, you can hang up because I wanted to hear like the dirt and the cheating and all that kind of stuff. All right, that's fair. But then we got to circle back to the house because the house is absolutely insane. Yes, this, we are going to get to that dude because it is the sickest house I've ever seen. Yeah, we're scheduling life. a sleepover whether you like it or not. <laughs> <That'll> work. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's let's start where. In your NASCAR days, I think the statue of limitations has ran out at this point. Um, oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> can, can you talk about some of the things you may or may not have been oh, yeah. involved they, they in? They don't owe me a darn thing, so I'll, I can talk about whatever. Let's um, go. The, the, yeah, man, it was like, you know, even like in a, you know, qualifying was huge back in the day. So, yes, we yes, have yes. a qualifying. So, back in the day, they used to have – qualifying setups and race setups right and now they're you you don't do that right the the qualifying setup is the same as your race car your race setup right so back in the day we had two motors we had a qualifying motor it had aluminum rods titanium rods lightest valve high compression i mean it was a time bomb it was a qualifier (laughs) and we would we would practice on the motor change the motor out to the qualifying motor and it was a two or three lap motor take that motor out and put the race motor in that, so, okay, I mean, so it was, two or three lap motor meaning you know this thing is going to grenade in two or three laps what would grenade in oh, two yes. or three laps oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> man it was just i mean it was it, it's like a fuel motor i mean the fuel motor they go you know 1320 and now they go a thousand they just you know shorten the fuse up because they know it's going to blow up at a thousand instead of 1320 so I mean, these things were they, – they were badass. I mean, they were 850 horsepower, you know, motors back in the day or whatever. But, yeah, aluminum rod, titanium rod, change the gearing. I mean, whatever it took to, to make a lap, you know, for qualifying. Um, you know, like speedway racing was huge. It kind of still is, but it used to be way bigger, where we had a complete team just for speedway cars. You know, if it was four races a year, our Daytona 500 was the biggest race. Yeah. And then you had, you know, two Talladegas, two Daytonas. So – you had you might have ten guys. That's all they did. You know, would go to the wind tunnel testing stuff, or go to the. You know, we had a cave. We went to ton, you know for tunnel racing, tunnel testing. Uh, the place out in Arizona, the big seven mile track. You know, all this stuff just for um, you know real wind tunnel or real speedway stuff. So 
like we would take the air cleaners and, uh, you know, rub them with Sterno, you know, like the stuff you cook with. You know, you can run the air cleaner with Sterno, like the gel, and it was good enough for a little bit of vapor to go into the car, you know, for what? a little bit of fire. Uh, <laughs> you know, so there was, there was talk of, uh, like, is, Jeff Gordon. Yeah, is, okay, I think I know what you're getting to. Is there oh, any God, truth Rye to – is so good at interrupting people. Ah, shut up. Is there any truth to the putting um, – nitro in was it the transmission yes yep they so well i've heard that reason a lot a lot of times gordon would sit on the pole back in the day that like you have a jericho would have a dash eight or dash 10 vent line that runs up and you put a piece of uh scotch right on top of it and you know, a piece of uh, uh zip tie to hold it so you run it up the firewall just for all the fluid and everything to vent you know that thing turning you know 180 mile an hour for five hours that they would have a qualifying transmission and fill it up with nitro and gear lube and the gear the gears would start turning and the fumes of the nitro would go up into the air box because they'd run it higher and it would be good for a couple laps so a little extra horsepower god when i went to d <laughs> i went to dei uh dale earnhardt and whatever the uh i don't know what the yeah if you were on the podcast you would have known that he worked there and um the <laughs> stuff they had the transmission just the dyno room they had oh, to yes. test that stuff was so insanely impressive and then seeing the footers that they had to cut out for all of their machinery because the machinery the way it would work and the just the movement of it alone would throw off the other machines for some of the larger bigger machines that was absolutely and then the other thing is a lot of the technology they do there is also translated to military applications and stuff like that as well, I think, is what they were saying. That's where a lot of the stuff is, is transferred into because they're, they're not as busy on the, the racing side. So they transition into a lot of the military stuff. So a lot of them got military contracts. And uh, you know, because it was so advanced and so redundant on testing that they had military spec testing, basically, if you look at it that way. So uh, they rolled right into it, and a lot of teams are doing that. I never thought about huffing nitro out of a trans, though. That seems like a good vibe right there. <laughs> What's up with the – Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, like – the... We were – Oh, my bad. Go ahead. Like, a lot, you know, a lot of them even run, you know, fuel mileage races. So, we would take the fuel cells, and it was 22-gallon cell, uh, had a bladder inside, you know, for the safety and foam and all. But we would try to, to blow them up with air pressure to get them bigger. So yeah. the, the way the, the vent in the back, your, your uh, dry brake would be sealed, and then it runs up to a vent where the catch can guy used to go up to the, the rear of the car and, and vent it through an inch and a quarter hose. We'd go up to the back with compressed air and had a flapper, and you'd fill it with you know, 40 pounds, 50 pounds of air pressure, and you'd hear yeah. the thing boop, 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 just be popping and cracking, <laughs> you know, and you let it sit overnight. <laughs> so the next day you came in, it was a little bit bigger. So oh NASCAR God. started taking all that stuff. Well, we it, took, um, like, uh, you have a, a, a stand that the fuel cell would go in. You had eight bolts, uh, one by one tube, and it goes down, and, and they put seals on it. You know, a, a seal that you crimp on and you can't break or whatever. So we took, it was a 5 sixteenths bolt, you know, just say two or three inches long. We drilled the end of the bolt and put a Allen head in it and then drilled the, a hole in the bottom of the, the chassis so we took a little Allen wrench and went through the chassis to the bottom of the bolt and unscrewed the bolt and just took the whole cage off. And then you can shim the bottom of it up. So oh some God. of the guys would put magnets underneath. So you pick the thing up and magnets would stick to the bottom of it. And it's still, you know, half inch, three quarter of an inch 
of gap and let it go down, you hold hold more fuel. That's oh crazy. So like that that reminds me of and I think a lot of people who if you've followed cheating and racing, everybody's heard of the mo- I think the most infamous cheater is Smoky Eunuch, like documented, uh, and a lot of the stuff is alleged. Uh, if you've ever followed uh, any of his antics, he's got one. I think the most famous is the the basketball. You know, NASCAR came up with a like you were talking about a limited size for the fuel cell, and the way he got around that was he would stick a basketball inside of his fuel cell, air it up. And they would allegedly drain the fuel out and be like, okay, 16 gallons, cool. And then deflate the basketball, pull it out, and now you gain X amount of fuel capacity inside of the cell. And then the other thing he capitalized on was there was no limitation on the size or diameter of the fuel line. So literally, his car could run with no fuel tank installed in it. Um, there's a bunch of stories on that. And it's it's very... Uh, intriguing to me and I, I love reading on that kind of stuff um some of the other things we talked about before you and i've talked about it like eric personally the the i think it was mark martin with the infamous six-cylinder car can you explain uh, morgan mcclure can you explain so that, was, uh, that one if you ever hear like any of the old uh i want to say probably mid Mid to early 90s, uh, the number four Kodak uh, Morgan Blancor car. Um, so it was a stricter plate deal, and you were basically sucking through, you know, four dime size holes with a stricter plate. So they figured out if they took the last two cylinders and flopped the intake and exhaust lobe, you could actually pull exhaust in to feed the other six cylinders. So those cylinders were the, those back header tubes were actually pulling air in to feed the intake of the other six. And if you hear it, it sounds like a high-pitched, you know, six-cylinder, and that's what it was because it it made more power on six-cylinders than it did restricted eight. So were the primary tubes on those two, like, just not hooked to the exhaust? They were just kind of hanging out underneath the car? Nope, they were hooked up. But they could still make more power running that way. So they could still pull oxygen. So if you guys are listening, you can't understand that. So it was reverting back into the intake manifold? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So basically, the if you guys are listening and you can't understand what he's saying, is the last or two cylinders out of the eight were pulling oxygen out of the headers and pushing it back up into the the intake manifold. So it's kind of like a piston-driven supercharger on a six-cylinder. So what did the what did the cam, what did the camshaft look like <laughs> on that thing? It just swapped the, swapped the intake and exhaust. So instead of pulling air in, it was pulling exhaust in and then mm-hmm. shoving it into the intake. So you so, just flopped the two lobes. Uh, like when you go to get that cam ground, you guys got any reverse last couple cylinder cores in stock? <laughs> like, Listen, for real, what, do you, what core do you start with on that? Just a solid piece of steel? No, the first question is, can I trust you? Yeah. <laughs> Hundred percent. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> yeah. Which I'm, here's the deal. I'm sure Raya said yeah, that very I mean, many times in the locker room. So after that, <laughs> they came out with the rule. Well, NASCAR came out with a, uh, a heat gun, you know, infrared laser gun. They go to each cylinder to make sure it's firing and not sucking. 
So oh, they, they go through and every cylinder has to have heat to it. Yeah, because the, the original rule was like, you just have to have a restrictor plate. It didn't say the air had to pass through the restrictor right. plate. So they weren't really breaking a rule. They just found a way to work around it. How many people ran coil wire, heated wires through the last two runners too to make it look like they were heating up runners? Yeah, yeah no, they're on, dude. For real, look at yeah, it. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I wouldn't fib. I'm not a fibber. Another one I think that we talked about before was, uh, Eric, the pulling up of the shifter boot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Can you, can you elaborate on that? Because people are there's, like, oh, that sounds like minimal. Yeah, and you don't have to name names, but. There's tons, tons of, of aero um, inside the car on those things. Um, so basically, like, as a DEI, we've built a complete car with the rules maxed out. So the frame rails are three by four and you can go to the top of the rail and we built them at an angle and a real small tunnel. Um, and then I had a whole nother floor pan, whole floor structure that pop riveted underneath. That was bottom of the frame rail, you know, real tight tunnel. Yeah. You know, so max, max it out one way, max it out the other way and then blew it in a tunnel on the same day, you know, within a few hours. And it's crazy how much air and shit goes on underneath the car, like letting the shifter boot open. Like a lot of the NACA ducts and stuff on them aren't there. Some are doing some stuff, but a lot of them are doing error. Gotcha. Yeah, some of them will pull in on a NACA and then dump it out like the oil cooler, uh, <laughs> you know, oil tank hole. Yeah. You know, we've had, we've had oil tanks and we welded, uh, you know, eighth inch ribbons or just say eighth inch pieces of, uh, of sheet metal every half inch all the way up. So it was like lines. There was a bunch of downforce, but we told NASCAR it was cooling, you know, but then they outlawed it. You know, so it was underneath the car, but it was, you know, every every two inches or every half inch a piece of, you know, a piece of sheet metal. Uh, took a shit ton to, to weld it up, you know, but it worked. Um, but, yeah, like the, the, the shifter boot deal, uh, you open it up, but then, you know, a couple of drivers caught fire and all that fire came right in. It's like, well, how'd that come undone? Oh, so instead God. of doing a cam lock, like so- a boot fastener, they, you know, they started bolting them. Yeah, I don't even know, man. It was like that when I got in the car. I don't know what happened. It's the craziest maybe thing. You got, maybe you guys should inspect the cars a little harder, huh? <laughs> Wait, so <clears throat> the idea was to let air go from under the car into the car through the shifter boot? Yep. yep. Basically, if, if the tunnel was getting it trapped up, like if it came off the front tires and getting bunched up at the firewall, like that was letting it escape, getting it out. Yeah, displace uh, it from there. Right. Like we would – we would do crush panels. So you had a wheel tub and then a, a crush panel would go, you know, right underneath it, pop rivet silk on whatever. Well, we learned that if you took a little backup washer and put in between each rivet and spaced it down that 16th an inch, it left the air gap all the way through it and it let air out of the wheel tubs. Well, they outlawed that too. So oh my God. <laughs> a 16th of an inch made that much of a difference. Yep. Yep. I want to know. So when when they outlaw it, because I I don't follow NASCAR um, at all. I mean, honestly, I don't. I think it is extremely impressive. I didn't. I should back it up. I didn't have a true appreciation for NASCAR until I went to DEI, and then I realized very quickly. I, I know I'm an idiot, but then I realized I am a fucking moron because you listen to some of the stuff. I, it was insane. It was absolutely, it was very, very, very impressive. The amount of engineering and time goes into these cars. And, and it is the common guy that's not into, it's into motorsports, but not in NASCAR. You don't think about all the stuff that goes into these cars. So now backing up on that, who's the dickhead that like outlaws the stuff that's like 
you will not have you will not have a 16th <laughs> inch like I, is there a whole committee or is like one dickhead that looks like gandalf that just has a staff and turns you off says no you can't do that like what is it what's the situation is there a gavel yeah, yeah you had one or two that was dickheads all the time yeah. And then some pretty cool ones that would go to the dickhead and he would come over. So. Yeah. so it's like a team of, it's like a team of two dicks and then like some cool dudes. Right. Exactly. Okay, cool. All cool, right. Cool, well, cool. let me ask you this. So, cause I'm a half mile, a standing half mile guy with a 69 Camaro yep. and we were considering flat paneling underneath the car as much as we could. So the frame rails hang down a little lower than where the flat panel would be. And a buddy of mine was telling me, like, nope, it's either completely flat or nothing. Does it actually make a difference between the two if there's things hanging down? Man, every time I think I've gone to the wind tunnel and know something's going to work, it doesn't work. Like, <laughs> I would, I'll have a plan. I was like, oh, let's do this, 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 and go to the wind tunnel, and some of it might work, and then some of it's out in left field. So, to, like, the air does so much different stuff underneath the car. It's crazy. Like the back of a, a back of a car, cup car, would have a bumper shell hanging down. And the speedway car would come off of the back of the fuel cell and go right to the bumper. Well, we come to find out that if we came off of the back of the deal and come straight up to the bumper and left this big parachute, it was better because mm. it filled up with air and the air would cut off. So mm. it just packed it full of air and it, it cut off clean. So to say it's, it's, it's hard to say if it will or not, um, I mean, we got a wind tunnel here close, and um, it's it's a you know fifteen hundred bucks for four hours. Wow. It's pretty darn worth it. To that's uh, actually not bad. I didn't think it would be that cheap. It, it is, it, man. You can learn so much. It is crazy. It, like I say, you know, we took Real Street Super up there, and you know, learned a bunch on Geo's Drag Week deal. Yeah, and we've had a uh, we've had that little Porsche body deal in it. Um, you know, I did Mullins front end when I designed the front end. It, 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 you the did the front tunnel. end of that car? Yep. The red one? Yeah. The one that he went all fast with and everyone was like, oh, my God, Kevin Mullins. And then, and then I think he went to Australia? Yeah, I, I built the turbo kit for it, the, uh, all the lead on it. We put 700 pounds of lead in that car. In the first oh, my time. God. You just became so much more attractive to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the only SN95 Mustang in the world. Literally, hey. the, hold on. I'm not done with this. The only SN95 in the world I've ever loved, including the owner. Just saying that. That car looked amazing, dude. So, so the front end, the bumper, you did the, you molded that, all that? Yeah, so I had, uh, I had like three bottom halves, and then uh, that's when the pipes were still exposed out of the hood. Mm -hmm. So I made a, a shell to go over top of that, and then we did canards. We did a, a splitter. We did all kind of stuff up there. But, like, the canards in the front actually hurt downforce in the back. Yeah, huh. so we did, we did, we took them back off, but you know, the snow plow deal was the best downforce and the pipes covered up was better. And uh, right, you had a picture of that car you could throw up. Yes. The Kevin Mullins car, that car, um, that car actually was one of the first cars that made me start paying attention, um, to, to that style vehicle. Cause we're working at a mainly import shop. You don't see anything really fast ever. Um, right. <laughs> so i will i will say we sometimes go quick but um yeah that car it inspired a lot of people i think to start paying attention to the higher level of racing he did a it was a big splash but i always honestly thought that car looked amazing it was it came out awesome i can't imagine how much time did you have just into molding the front end of that thing uh man probably a good uh uh week oh uh, in, a week and in, in building everything and we had you know four or five hours in the tunnel Oh my gosh, dude. 
So the car is in Australia now, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, that thing is That's insane. the same front end that uh, the same front end Brad Everett's got on his car now. Got you. Cool. Yeah, it's a yeah, that, that car is, sexy beast. Yeah, car looks awesome. It just looks sinister as all hell, man. Yeah. Good job, dude. I know you don't need to hear that from me, but good job. You did great. <laughs> <laughs> Came out really nice. Hey, so uh, you, you, you talked about wind tunnel. Um, Josh, get on that. 1500 for four hours. Like, you probably paid more for dino time. So, brace yeah, yourself. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, where's that wind tunnel located? Uh, yeah, Charlotte. Probably, oh, it's probably, on, a, if I'm guessing, it's Eric's house. Yeah, Race, <laughs> Race City, USA. Okay. Wait, that's not where Clark went, is it? With his uh, 2010 Camaro? Uh, pretty sure it is. Yes. Yes, Clark, yeah. Yep. It's uh, not two miles down the road. Yeah, weird. I How'd that thing do in the wind tunnel? I didn't. I, I just, I, uh, Ryan, Ryan, the, uh, the Holly guy was down here at the same time, and I didn't even know they're here. And uh, I think they found a good bit of stuff, but. Uh, um, I don't, I don't know, man. It's like, a hey. That's a grudge race attitude right there. He knows everything. <laughs> hey, this man knows the whole kitten caboodle. Here's how you make a sheet of plywood fly. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh my God. So yeah. I, I, go ahead, Josh. I was just going to say, I would love to go to wind tunnel, but man, Charlotte's a hike. God, I can't deal with it. I can't deal with it. That's, who, who do you know? Local little trailer your car out there. Just send them out there and then fly in. Yeah. Let's go. I'm not flying these days. It's COVID. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my uh, God. So, Eric, let's back up to <laughs> the sinister gangster, like the shady, darker side of racing. Is it true or not that um, – how okay, let me back up. How many wind tunnels are in the Charlotte area? So, Charlotte, Mooresville, Concord, like it's Race City, USA. There's a trickle-down effect, but it's a home of NASCAR. Be careful, um, so, Eric. He's baiting you into telling you some secrets. Be careful. No, bud. no, no. You don't have to mention names, but I just want to know because I've heard these rumors before where people will rent a wind tunnel but not actually show up just to cock block another team. Is that true? There's, I mean, A2 wind tunnel is our big wind tunnel right down the road. A1 is the one we go to, which is the cheaper one. A2 is like $4,500 an hour. It's insane. Like, it is crazy. And they, uh, like, Chevrolet and Ford will just rent them, you know, they'll have them rented for X amount of time or whatever. So, they, uh, Haas built theirs, which is a rolling road. And they have a stainless mesh that runs the same speed as the airspeed. So, your your wheels and tires turn the same speed. Yeah. Which is very, you know, beneficial because you know they're big wheels and tires and how fast stay, how, how fast can that go i want to say they can get uh i think like 160 jesus yeah it's a stainless <laughs> mesh it's like insanely expensive so it's three pieces yeah you know, of the rolling road because it has little pieces come up and just hold the frame rails and it's just for nascar stuff so this little deal and you got stainless mesh on each side um, but it's, it's pretty crazy. Would you ever consider building a stance car? <laughs> He's like, what the hell is a stance? Just hangs up. A what? <laughs> oh my God. I really, <laughs> the whole time I've just wanted to talk about your house. I know you're such a wealth of knowledge about, about motorsports and I appreciate that so much, but buddy, you have like, you, I know I'm just, my patience is running out. I can't do it. I got <laughs> 10 minutes left and all I want to do is talk about his awesome house. 
Um, do we get into the house now? Or I'm chomping at the, the bit about the house, dude. I'm chomping. I'm chomping at the bit. I got, I got one more. I got one more. Okay, okay, okay. okay. Who was it, Eric, that came up with Oh, okay. Actually, sorry, Logan. I got two. Um, one, <laughs> the the bent. I keep. I'm, I'm googling bent NASCAR. You, you've seen the picture from the top where like this, it's a car that's just like crooked. You know what I'm talking about? Because I see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's the deal behind that? And how did that thing pass tech? And whose car was it? So back in the day, that was your body hangers were very very well paid. And they so, were they were done by hand. Now it's all composite, right? Yep. Yeah. So back then you have you had like just say twenty templates. So yep. you have a center template to go down the center of the car, and then that marks like where the windshield has a template and the rear window has a template. It didn't say like it couldn't shift over this or that, and like they were big into side force where you know the uh, you know right side was just flat as a pancake, and then everything else is kicked over. You know, they'd cock the rear end, the, you know, get the cars going and y'all down the straightaway. Like, it was crazy. Um, you know, the, that, was, that was back in the day where you could actually cheat the bodies up and, you know, the, it, the wind tunnel actually paid off. Like, now they go through this room of doom and it has all these lasers come out. It's like 142 lasers and it just tells you, all right, your left front fender is out four thousandths, you know, yeah. or some shit. So, it's, it's stupid. But, yeah, back in the day, like, you would kick them all around. We had the, the most I've seen a rear end, you would have toe in the rear end. Um, you know, you've got a certain amount of camber you can run also, but they had an inch and a quarter of toe in the rear end housing. So the car would actually go down the straightaway completely. You could almost read the door numbers when it was coming at you. <laughs> it was crazy. Now they're, they're allowing the five eighths of an inch. <laughs> and whose car was it, the one that looks like crazy? The crazy bag? I think Kevin Harvick's deal. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm asking because I'm, I'm Googling. So, like, when you're behind an F-150 on the highway that you know has been yeah. bricked by a semi, <laughs> and it's just driving craw-legged as hell, you just know that's what it is? Yeah, it's, it's just cool. it's dog walking. Do you think Harvick was on his way to the tunnel one day and was like, oh, my God, that F-150 gave me an amazing idea. This is going to work so well. It's always an F-150, though. Let's just be honest. Oh, yeah. Yep. But yep. wouldn't that slow it down on the straightaway pretty good, though? It's going through. Not the necessarily. They they had side force, so they had the front figured out so much to where the body was 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 so much downforce in the corner that you can carry so much straightaway speed. It didn't matter. Um, you know, so we had little we had little fans in the front of our nose that had GPS sensors in them, and just say if we we're going to Charlotte and corner speed was a hundred and you know hundred eighty mile an hour and you know X speed was one sixty eight or whatever. These little things had a little little gps that would we would you know set up program before the race and the fans would come on and come off with mile an hour for downforce oh that's amazing so each track was different and the fans you know they were bead blowers but they would uh you know let you have more downforce in the corners did those get outlawed by the dicks with the gavels i don't know if they found them or not. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a helicopter motor for the uh, uh track bar and it would move the track bar up and down uh, with your uh, brake bites. Oh, we wow. run it all through the frame, through the seat and everything. But that's, that was back in the day. Now they got them all, you know, in there where they need to be, in fact, you know, factory, basically. But. So do you know of anything illegal going on in NASCAR right now that you want to put someone on blast for? Because I'd love to hear it. Like, uh, uh, man, I think, truthfully, I think, I think NASCAR has – so you buy this McLaren fuel injection. 
$70,000 fuel injection and you have an eight by eight fuel window, 64 blocks is your fuel window, $70,000. So I, man, it is so, it's so bad. You know, it's kind of like, you know, NASCAR with the election deal. I think they got a hand in everything. So yeah. you know, like they, they <laughs> can yes, have, thank you know, God. They could have control of the car if they want, like just, just like your go-kart racing out there and they want to cut you off. They can cut you off. Wow. You know, you're going too fast. Let's pull two degrees of timing out of your car. They would have control of that if they need. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, no. Coming into turn two, it looks like there's a. Is that a carburetor? Oh no! Oh my God! It just dust everybody. I love so, it. I'm 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 trying to find a picture of the bent the bent car. I call just pull it the up an F-150. Car. I can't. <laughs> I can't find it, but. Well, let's um, see this house you guys are talking about. Hold on. Sorry. Hold on. He's so excited. I'm getting uh, the excitement level up for this house. No, we got oh, man. We got 15 minutes still left on here. Um, another tricky tech tip that we talked about before. Um, the opening of the roof flaps going yep. while you're racing, it kind of goes hand in hand with the the uh, the the un cam locking of the, the shifter boot, right? Getting air out of the cabin, right? Um and yeah, I think so- I, uh, you, you talked about – go ahead. You you explain it better than I did. That was, that was more with the DI, and Walter, you know, Michael Waltrip, he was a, a big guy, and he was really you know, placing these uh, roof, flat, roof hatches. Oh, I got to have a roof hatch. I'm too big. I need to get out. So they put these roof hatches in where you can pop the front or pop the back and get out. So he would start running and pop the back, and it would just pick up, you know, an eighth or quarter of an inch. And get the air off the the spoiler in the back. So for a speedway, that's why you see every you know all the races that he did win, he came out of the roof because it was already had. He was already popped. Yeah. So oh my god. Was, so yeah, he, so would, he, he, was already, he you know, was already done. So he had to come all the way Yeah, he would win a race, jump out of the roof, and then jump yes. up and down on the roof, celebrating <laughs> just to smash it back down. So the NASCAR wasn't like, hey, what the fuck. <laughs> that's amazing we had a we won a, a speedway race one time and it had uh you know restricted plates same deal dime size holes whatever it was that time and you have uh spacers that run up so you had like a two inch long carp stud well you have a cross bolt you know for safety wire they'll put their you know their lock on or whatever and so we had you know four of those on it and had the nut figured out when it went down it was knurled and when it went down and hit the knurl, it would turn the stud. So we had the, the stud drilled all the way through to the cross bolt, you know, the cross hole for the safety wire. And then that hole lined up in the intake. So whenever the, the NASCAR official would have to put everything on, he would tighten it up and he would turn that right into the air path. So it was sucking air through the little deals into the motor. And then when we oh went God. through tech, we, we took some channel locks and had to turn them back. That's it's, it's ridiculous, dude. God, dude I, nerds. I, it's like cheating nerds is all you are. Amazing. So, um, last one, and then we'll talk about your house. <laughs> I promise. I promise. I promise. Yeah. You talked about uh, in a conversation that you and I had, you were working on, I think it was like at the tail end of your time in NASCAR, um, so some sort of a scavenging exhaust device. Can you elaborate on that? Um, like the, the speedway stuff, you know, would run X pipe. So it'd come off. Um, and we had, uh, um, an X pipe out both sides. So the center, we had 
different, um, uh, just say a plate in the middle and had oval discs that we could change in and out. Like an X, it was an X brace, but it was a box. And that would change, you know, those things would run 7,400 RPM and, you know, they would make 455 horsepower or whatever it was, you know, restricted plate bill. And, you know, we run them, we run them at 7,400 RPM at 30 pounds of oil pressure, you know, because it was the very bare minimum of everything to get all the horsepower we could. So the scavenge deal was, um, you know, just trying to figure out uh, how to, to pull it. You know, basically I was, I was trying to do like a, like a turbo, essentially, in the exhaust boxes yeah. to help, you know, once it got spooled up, it would kind of help pull the, help pull the exhaust, you know, exhaust out. Did that ever see competition? No. Yeah. So it was just kind of like you're trying to do it. What's, what's the lowest oil pressure that you ran on some of these Speedway motors? I would say 30. 30 at was like... 30 at RPM? At 7,400, yeah. Jesus. And what's that at idle? Seven. Two. Seven. 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 I would yeah. shit my pants. Mm-hmm. <laughs> number. So, well, that... Eric, I appreciate it. That, that concludes all my cheater oh, good. questions. Thank here. God. Perfect. So, now, let's talk about the house. Yes, let's <laughs> talk about his house. Um Go ahead. I'm the only one who's seen it in person, and it's the sickest fucking house I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Uh, yeah, so here's the thing. Rye called me. He was like, <laughs> hey, man, I got my gun, and I'm outside the blah, blah, blah bank, and I'm going to rob this motherfucker because I need to build a house just like <laughs> Mr. Ghost. Like and house. then he just went on a 35-minute bar ball gargle, and then by the end of the ball gargle, I wanted to gargle balls too because it sounds like you built yourself an insane spread, and then you posted uh, a bunch of pictures of like the construction of it and the different features it has. And it uh, obviously our podcast listeners on iTunes, it's good. I don't want you to go like drive by this dude's house. Yeah, no, absolutely not. But it's so, so sick. How long did it take you to build this home? Um, well, we dug the, uh, dug the basement and the footings actually, man, probably, uh, two years ago and had a, had a hell of a time getting alone, um, because I was uh, my own GC and I was self-employed. Gotcha. And so it's, it's set for a while with just footers. Um, gotcha. you know, once we finally got everything moving on it and, uh, it took me about a year, um, to get it all, you know, standing and we're still painting some rooms here and there, but at least we're in and, uh, you know, all the, you know, everything, all the flooring, the carpet, you know, moldings, all that stuff done. I just finished, uh, we did a, like an RV pad out back. So if you, Got your camper RV coming into town. We got a place for you to, to hook up to. So uh, that way we can, we can park our toter and our clapped out stacker there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we get one. Yeah. So, I, I got to ask, like, is, is a lot of the stuff, it, it, I don't want to like air up everything, like all the features of your house, but it just seems like a lot of the stuff that you had there is, I don't want to say like hand me down, but okay. So I'll just, the bank vault. I won't say what it's attached to. But was this just like a situation? Right, now people are going to be like, he's got a vault at his house. <laughs> where people were like, we need to get rid of this. And you're like, I got you. Hold my beer. Is that how you, did you just kind of like grab and just hoard all this shit until. Pretty much. <laughs> guys, I'm not even kidding. When I say bank vault, I mean bank vault. If you guys watch the movie. And this is the the um, 
the comparison that I use. If you've watched the movie Tremors, you know when like uh, Reba McIntyre and the other dude are like shooting that stupid crazy worm in their <laughs> bunker. A graboid, please. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. A graboid. Yeah, whatever. Um, let's just say that the graboid would not make it into Eric's basement. That's all I'm going to say. It's and, and the level of innovation that this man has exhibited with what is it the radiant uh, uh, heated and cooled floors with the NASCAR radiator wood stove like it's insane it's sick it's the sickest house I've ever seen in my entire life yeah I'm back in like July on your Facebook just creeping the shit out of you right now and um, <laughs> <laughs> there's I I don't understand is that is there a basement out, outdoor patio like I see it it says yes. kicks on it is that a fire stove is that a stove what's that thing doesn't matter but that's it, the water stove. Yep. Okay. Uh, 750 gallon stove. So I, I had it built where I put it through the wall. So I load and unload outside. So I don't have to bring wood or anything inside the house. Cool. So it's built, it's concreted in the wall. And uh, it's 750 gallons. It has three zones. So I got radiant heat in the basement floor, radiant heat in the second floor, and then the NASCAR radiator uh, in the heat duct. So it'll just turn the fan on and pump 173 water through the radiator and it'll blow through the heat ducts. Oh, that's so awesome. So in the winter, hopefully, I don't have to run the heat pump and I just run a half an amp pulling on the pump and where the fan turns um, to, to heat the whole house. So your cost of heat is going to be subterranean cheap. Is that the end goal I there? So. To keep... Yeah, yeah I mean, that's we did awesome. The, we did the spray foam and everything in the house, um, you know, spray foamed everything and like the middle of summer, our, our power bill is, you know, 150. So oh, wow. I was uh, happy with that. Yeah, I'd say so. That's cool. You could fit 12 of my houses in your house. So that's pretty neat because <laughs> I pay 150 a month in, in the summertime for my house. <laughs> so you're doing good. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think that as far as innovation is concerned and, and the, the different details that I've seen, um, you are a very, very talented uh, automotive human being, but dude what i'm looking at with the way you've built this house out is absolutely gorgeous man it's absolutely awesome i commend you because i don't have the patience to even retile a bathroom (laughs) (laughs) yeah like look at this stuff if you're obviously podcast you can't hear it but and sorry for putting your house on blast on our podcast right now but (laughs) it is so sick it's it's amazing the the handrail going from the basement to the the upstairs uh, uses the aluminum rods from the tooth jerker dart, uh, and then you repurposed the hundred plus year old banisters and all that stuff to like for the handrails and everything inside of the house. And it's right. while we have your browser up, Rye, why don't you go ahead and click on the history tab and let's just see what you've been into lately. Hey, let's not do that. <laughs> all right, that's uh, it's, it's kind of part of my thing, like you know, when I die. what your thing, your nightly ritual, yeah. Clear my browser history. Clear my browser history. Grab a bottle of Jergens and just see what happens. So anyway, Eric, dude, thank you so much for being on here, man. No problem, man. Appreciate it, dude. It's been a pleasure, sir. I can't wait just to have a slumber party. That'll work. (laughs) (laughs) Just show up at his house. I thought he was kidding. I'll come hang out when I hit that wind tunnel. Yeah, dude. You better. Hang out right some go-karts. Can you give me some? Oh, yeah. Dude, Eric has... He's got a. Uh, you got a go kart track now? That's a, a KX250 motor I put on a shifter cart. Josh, oh my God, Josh, yeah. that's that's all you, buddy. Me and Lila are coming down. 
Yeah. He's, right. So you have the side by side track. You got the dirt oval track, right? Are we still yep. doing the, yep. the? Are we? When's the big in five hundred happening? I know COVID, like trashed everything, but it'll probably be next year. But we will definitely have it. So we at Clapped Out are one hundred percent down to do that. Yeah, I don't want to be on Rise Team. So whoever gets to brick him, that's what I want to do. So you just <laughs> tell me. Strap me into the slowest but heaviest go-kart you got because I'm driving straight through his sternum. Yeah. I'm not going to go fishing with the man, but I'll, I'm, it ends with me putting him in the wall. I don't – is that a – what's that from? I don't know. It's an old commercial. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Thank you again, Eric, dude. It's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, man. Man, no problem. Anytime, anytime. Can't wait. We'll definitely have you back for sure, dude. And watch work. talk current tech and not a bunch of cheating assholes. <laughs> oh shit that'll work i appreciate it anytime all right man take care be good eric take it easy man later all right see you man all right did you learn your lesson rye huh don't ever cut me off again (laughs) no we're good dude i'm gonna be honest with you i'd like to have that guy on the podcast every week dude he's dude he's so fucking smart so smart like we barely scratched the surface of the knowledge of that man i can't tell you how brilliant he is and he comes up with like the most simplistic solutions to the most you're like oh you overthink some shit and he's just like just do it this way you're like fuck i didn't think of like and i'm being very generic with that but well right how many questions a day do you ask him uh <laughs> i probably no 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 joke i probably hit him up like at least every couple of weeks the anti-roll bar in my car is courtesy of him and his shop is it's not the biggest shop in the world it's like you're you got to walk sideways through the thing to get in between all the machinery and the tools and everything like that but he he's he's just it's a brilliant dude yeah i think think there's a man crush going on uh, yeah i'm i'm jagging him off a little bit here i'm not gonna lie he's an attractive guy i'll allow it he's a fucking badass he's got badass go-karts too yeah and he builds some insanely fast shit, and he's hard to fuck with at the track. Like, he is the reason the car went eights the first time I went out. Like, that was it. I, I, have, I was completely lost in the sauce, and he's like, do this, do this, do this. I'm like, that's not going to work, but I'll listen to you. And is, is he the one that told you to put the lift kit on? Yes. He goes, up the, he goes up the tire pressure, raise the launch RPM, hit the tire harder, quit being a bitch. And I go out, and the car ran 871, like – and, and Logan was at the hotel fucking crying his own tears. But uh, was that before or after? I oh, know. I'm sorry. I went 839. I was trying to figure out. <laughs> Can't wait to be crowned king of 2020 since you're not going to race again this year. Um, False. Anyway. Head over to clappedout.com slash store. We still got stickers and merch. And uh, I'm just going to put a shameless plug out there. This Saturday, our boy, James Tall, the uh, Cletus, what is it, 2.4 hours of the mullets. Just pay attention to that car. That's all I'm saying. Just pay attention to James Tall and his Crown Vic, the clapped out Crown Vic. Support, is it, is it the clapped out? Can we call it the clapped out Crown Vic? Since we didn't? I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to call it that. I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't think he's Uh-oh. going to either. Yeah, I think I don't think he's going to call it the clapped out Crown Vic, but I hope he does. <laughs> I'm just saying there's going to be some 
big ass stickers on that thing. So support those guys. Head over there. Uh, also support us and everybody else that supports us on this podcast and channel. 